What is that little extra thing that makes the ordinary extraordinary? I believe it is the presence of God. At Christmas, God came into our ordinary world in the form of a child. In this season of hope and anticipation, as we eagerly await Christ's birth and Christ's return, God is still at work in and through the ordinary stuff of life. This Advent season at Second Presbyterian, we will begin a sermon series titled Advent in Plain Sight. Roughly based on a devotional written by Jill Duffield, we will connect everyday objects with the biblical text and find holy meaning and holy moments. We hope this Advent season will be an extraordinary one that allows us all to see God in and through ordinary things. Let us pray. Holy God, as your word is read and proclaimed, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have said to us this day. Amen. Our New Testament reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Listen for God's word. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But for whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and will you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 19, verses 1 through 10. Listen again for God's word. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than any gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The ending of Psalm 19 is a prayer that we sometimes pray before Scripture and before the sermon. So let us join our hearts once more in prayer. Let the words in my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock 
and our Redeemer. Amen. I have always been a bit fascinated with outer space. Stars, constellations, the vastness of what's out there. I was driving home from church the other week and I noticed a bright orange star, a speck in the sky that seemed out of place. No, I couldn't name the constellations or the stars beside it, but it did seem a bit unusual and out of place. And it caught my eye. And I was driving home, I kept my eye on it. I was driving home safely, but I did keep an eye on it. When I got home, I downloaded the Sky Guide app on my phone. And I stepped out back to find that strange orange speck once more. I pointed my phone at it, and voila, Saturn. Not only did I see Saturn, but right above it was another bright orangish speck. Jupiter. Not only Jupiter, but below it, it was Venus. These three planets lined up beautifully in the night sky just over the horizon. You could see the light poke through the tree branches. And when Valerie got home, I was like a little kid ready to show my parents something I found. I was like, come here, come here, look what I found. She wasn't too impressed, but. But to me, it was so cool. And some of you may not be into astronomy. You may just like the crazy movies. But you might have been stuck to the computer or TV like I was back in 2015 when the New Horizons mission finally achieved its Pluto flyby. Does anybody remember this? Again, a few hands. There we go. That's about as much at the early service as well. Anyway... If you don't remember the mission, NASA sent a space module toward Pluto to simply capture pictures as it flew by. The highest resolution picture of Pluto from Earth was taken by the Hubble Space Telescope in 1994, which it actually looked like gray-scaled squares just kind of pieced together. But in July of 2015, the Pluto flyby provided a vivid image of the planet. The world gasped at the iconic heart that's on Pluto, the heart of Pluto, and marveled at the diverse terrain that surrounded it. But as I watched and read, what struck me about all of this was the fact that the New Horizon launch was nine years prior. It launched on January 19th, 2006, And it reached Pluto in July of 2015. Crazy. Like that is almost incomprehensible. It took a space shuttle nine years to get to Pluto and reach the edge of our solar system. And it is still going. The heavens are telling the story of God's glory, the psalmist declares. Did you know the Earth spins at a speed of about a thousand miles per hour and orbits around the sun at about 67,000 miles per hour? Did you know that there are over 4,000 planets orbiting distant stars, you know, their own sun? And scientists estimate there may be as many as a hundred billion solar systems in our own Milky Way galaxy. 
the heavens are telling the story of God's glory. The firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Did you know the moon is 238,855 miles away and that you can fit 30 earths between us and the moon? Did you know the sunlight we see is actually eight minutes old? That's because Earth is 93 million miles away from the sun and light travels at 186,282 miles per second. And doing the math in my head right here and right now, that would take a little over eight minutes for that sunlight to reach Earth. And the light we see from the North Star is 680 years old. The heavens are telling the story of God's glory. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. Did you know that space is utterly silent? That's because sound waves need a medium to travel and with no atmosphere, sound cannot travel. The heavens are telling the story of God's glory, but there is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. The wonder and vastness and beauty of outer space tell the story of God's glory. The story of God's creative awesomeness. The story of God's imaginative handiwork. The psalmist declares, sings, even praises God for who God is as reflected by the heavens. But the heavens do not simply reflect God. All of creation pours forth speech, calling our attention to those specific celestial words of wonder to communicate who God is to us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. All of it. All we know about life here on earth and life out there and beyond has a creator communicated through the various realms of creation, we learn each and every day who God is by what God has created. And God declared that it was good. Thinking of outer space, about the earth and heaven, brings me to God's character of transcendence and eminence. God is transcendent above and beyond all creation. God is also imminent. A sure presence here and now and all around. The God knowledge made known in the grandeur of creation is also very present in everything we see. For everything is part of that creation. Everywhere the psalmist looks and everywhere we look, God's beauty and God's goodness and God's loveliness is revealed. The heavens are telling the glory of God. 
and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Can we hear it? Can we hear this story of God's glory? Can we hear the syllables of the star's speech and the harmony of the star's song? Can we perceive the heavenly percussion of God's glory proclaimed? And are we even aware of this cosmic communication? The psalmist, simply put, would say no. Their voice is not heard. All of creation communicates God's character, telling of God's glory, but humans, we do not have the ears to hear and the hearts to receive this gift of revelation. God is speaking. Creation is calling, seeking us out like an unrelenting and searing sun, and yet we are not aware. How then? How then do we come to know God for who God is? God's law. The psalmist moves from the grandeur of creative revelation to the gift of God's law for humans. The epitome of divine perfection made known in creation becomes evident in God's law. It becomes evident through the gift of the law. All of creation, heaven and earth, reveal the character of God, but God's law, the Torah, ministers to the human person. The law's work is specific for us. The law's work is salvific. God's law is to be desired more than any gold, even much fine gold. Desired more than any earthly riches because the gift of God's law provides so much more. God's perfect law revives the soul. God's stable rule guides the simple. God's just demands delight the heart. God's clear commandments sharpen vision. God's faultless decrees stand forever. God's right judgments keep their truth. And it is this law, God's rule, God's demands, God commands, His decrees, God's judgments that Jesus came to fulfill. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus came to communicate to the world what the heavens have proclaimed since the beginning of time. Jesus came to tell the story of God's glory. Jesus came to make known what we have failed to perceive. God's law is made perfect in love. If God's perfect law revives the soul, then God's word in flesh fulfills that promise. If God's stable rule guides the simple, then God's beloved son makes love real. If God's just demands delight the heart, then God's only begotten son binds our brokenness. If God's clear commands sharpen vision, then God's incarnate revelation cures our blindness. If God's decrees stand forever and God's right judgments keep their truth, 
then God's indwelling Son is surely the way and the truth and the life. When we seek to live into God's law of love made known in Jesus Christ, we then return to God our Creator and experience the veil being lifted from our eyes and the weight being lifted from our lives to behold the here and now and never-ending story of God's glory. For God's glory is all around us, in the sway of the tree branches in the breeze, in far-off beam of light from Saturn, in the chirp of a bird, in the breaking of bread, in the sharing of cup, in the silence of space, and in the silence of the morning, and in the cry of a baby. Born for us was Jesus the Christ, the one who came to fulfill God's perfect, just, pure, true law, God's law of love, more than gold. Even the finest gold are we to desire God's law. And given to us was a son, giving sight to our blindness, reviving our weary souls, offering wisdom to our ignorance, providing joy to our hearts. And so, with the word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, we have been given the opportunity to see God's beauty and goodness and loveliness in everything and in everyone and tell the story of God's glory with the heavens forevermore. Imagine what life would be like if we recognized the beauty of God's glory in everything and truly listened to the story the heavens proclaim. Perhaps in doing so, our great prayer is answered. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.